May I preach the gospel in the name of Christ. Amen. So that was the parable that was set by the lectionary for churches all over the world today. Looks like it's going to be a great story, plenty of parts for women, the promise of a grand wedding, oil lamps twinkling in the dark, my big fat gospel wedding. But actually, it's not an easy story, as you realize by the time you get to the end. And in all sorts of ways, it's a rather odd story. The Scottish poet Edwin Morgan clearly didn't like it as it stands in the gospel. And so he rewrote it, and this is what he wrote. Listen, this is what the kingdom is about. Ten girls took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were sensible and five were thoughtless. The thoughtless ones failed to check if they had enough oil. The sensible ones made sure. The bridegroom was very late in arriving, so they all snatched some sleep. At midnight there was a shout, The bridegroom is here, go and meet him. All the girls got up and trimmed their lamps. And the thoughtless ones said to the sensible ones, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are nearly out. And the sensible ones answered, Certainly, here is the oil. And if there is not enough to go round, why then, that will teach the bridegroom to keep ten servants waiting for five hours. (laughs) Sisters, the sensible must help the thoughtless. And all must stand together against those who would exploit their willingness and keep them from the kingdom. And I always feel sorry for the foolish ones. I've never actually been a bridesmaid. But I'm certain that if extra oil in a flask was required, I would probably have forgotten it. Running out of cash, not having enough rice or sugar, borrowing some from the next door neighbour, the screw-in bulb going and having no replacement not having a pound coin for the supermarket trolley, all of these are common experiences. For sure, the oil would have run out. And while that might just about seem a credible reason for being turned away from a wedding, I can't think that it lends itself to any kind of analogy for exclusion from the kingdom of God. The parable just seems to make God seem rather peevish, Well, you're not coming in then. This hardly sounds like the same God who only a few chapters before in Matthew's Gospel welcomes them in from the highways and the byways. The God who is like a king who holds a party and when the guests he's invited don't turn up, he invites anyone who can be found, anyone off the street. And then there's the rather odd verse at the end of the parable about keeping awake, which doesn't seem to fit at all, because in this story, even the wise bridesmaids nodded off while the bridegroom was delayed. So I'm a bit puzzled, and I've been doing some detective work about this parable, trying to work out what Matthew might have been doing with it, and even more, what Jesus might have been doing with it. And whether it has something to say to us today, here in Camborne. I think it does, otherwise I would have preached on something else. So here goes. It's tempting for us to read the parable as though Jesus is the bridegroom who is late. Late in time, behold him come. 
And then there's the second coming, of course, which, as even the Christians of Matthew's time were beginning to realize, was later than expected. But the people to whom Jesus preached during his lifetime and his ministry were probably worried not so much about the date of the second coming or the end of the age or the rapture or anything grandiose like that, but simply about the day and the day is the day of their own death. They were much like people everywhere, from California to Camborne, wondering all the things that human beings have ever wondered. What is my life for? Might I die before my time? How long have I got? And what should I be doing with this life that I've been given? They were worried not really about the end of the world, but simply the end of their world one day, and thus the reality of their world now and what it means, and whether any of it's worth a candle or an oil lamp. And they wanted to know, as I guess you and I want to know, whether they were getting it right, this whole business of being a human being, whether they were on the brink of something amazing, or just missing the boat. I think there's something in all of us, perhaps, that fears we may be the one who's always not there when the great thing happens, always just out of the frame of the picture, always not quite making it. And that's not necessarily at all about getting into heaven or not, but just getting into, getting into life. The Pharisees, who were much more like Jesus than you'd think from reading the Gospels, spent a lot of time helping people to live with a proper kind of perspective about life and death. And as it happens, there are some very striking parallels in Jewish teaching with this parable in Matthew of the ten bridesmaids, or the virgins, however you read it. And the message is simply a very a very clear one about being ready, about keeping real, about being prepared. One of them reads like this. A king summoned his servants to a banquet without appointing a time. The wise ones got themselves dressed and waited at the door of the palace. The foolish ones went on with their work, saying to themselves, well, the preparations for the banquet are bound to be lengthy. Suddenly the king told them all that the feast was ready and that they were to come then and there. The wise went well-dressed and the fools went in dirty clothes. The king welcomed the wise but was angry at the foolish ones. He said that the wise should eat and drink, but the foolish would only be allowed to stand and watch. None of us knows exactly when we're going to die. Or perhaps putting it differently, how long we are going to live. In the Jesus parable of the ten virgins, you have to be prepared not only for a quick and unexpected arrival, but also, if necessary, for a long delay. Be prepared is the message, but how? 
Well, in the tradition in which Jesus was steeped, in the one in which he grew up, you have to prepare yourself by repenting. There's a story about one rabbi who famously told his disciples, repent one day before your death. That way you will be prepared. So naturally enough, the disciples asked him how they could know on what day they would die so that they could repent a day beforehand. You know, put it in the diary. The rabbi simply told them to repent today, lest they die tomorrow. And of course the message was that the whole of life should be marked by repentance, by a turning away from sin and a turning towards goodness. And the rabbi quoted the book of Ecclesiastes, Let thy garments be always white, and let not thy head lack the anointing of oil. Oil. That's how a holy person prepares for death. The oil in the lamps of the parable might then symbolize this oil of repentance. The foolish ones were those who did not go on repenting each day who forgot to hold themselves always ready for death whenever it might come, or perhaps who were just not ready for the party of life, perhaps not really believing that life is a party that you can go to. And it was these who found that when God came, they weren't ready. And remember that Jesus' message was a message, repent, for the day is at hand. Repent today and be prepared to go on repenting, as though each day was the day before your last. Repent, because the kingdom of God, the feast of life, is coming, and you will want to be part of it. Now, there's a T-shirt that I have seen some people wearing, which has a picture on the front with an exhausted person lying in a heap, on the floor. And the caption reads, God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things before I die. At this rate, I'm not going to make it. We seem to live with a perpetual temptation to turn the good news of God into a great and overwhelming, exhausting demand. Keep awake, be prepared, keep plenty of oil in your lamp, Work hard, save the world, and we tell each other jokingly, it's all right as long as you don't weaken. But I don't think that's what the gospel is. I think the gospel message is that God is inviting us to the party, and it's great, and it's wonderful, and it's just around the corner, almost within reach, the source of our longing and all our hope, the time when all God's children will be fed. And if you want to be there, then it's not that you have to be good to earn a ticket or that you have to have been earning brownie points with hard work. But you just have to be looking for it and so eagerly expecting it that it kind of spills over into life now anyway. Think of ten bridesmaids waiting for a wedding. Think of the anticipation. What a great party that would be. 
lit with anticipation and hope. And the Gospel is a story about one who, when there was waiting to be done in the Garden of Gethsemane, stayed awake in the depths of the night and human, weak, empty and afraid, he poured himself out for you. He even fell into the sleep of death. And the world was saved when someone emptied himself, when his light burned low, when the oil of hope seemed to have run out. But his light, small and fragile though it was, could not be overwhelmed by the deepest darkness. And neither, neither will yours. We sometimes say that people have empty lives. We sometimes say that rather critically. Empty, perhaps, of meaning, joy and purpose. Such people, we might say, are not prepared even for their own death because they haven't yet learned how to live. And often, I suspect, we know ourselves to be among them as life deals us another blow or presents us with another challenge. We know what it is to be empty for the oil to have run out. But is it not true? Is it not true that God comes to us in Jesus Christ to show us that God will meet us when the cup of life is drained and when there is little oil of gladness? That God will meet us when we have nothing else left. And God will welcome us home and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Christ, our bridegroom, comes when we might least expect, when we are weak, empty and afraid and most in need. And he sets us dancing once again into life. So if I could attend a parable writing workshop with Matthew, and imagine doing it with Edwin Morgan too, perhaps one day in heaven I will, I would suggest that he change the ending of the parable and that the bridegroom would arrive with oil to fill all their lamps, lamps which would burn bright and long and which would cast on the walls the shadow of the dancing and the revels of the feast. For I believe that St. Paul was right, that Christ is Lord of the living and of the dead, of those awake and those who have fallen asleep, of the wise and the foolish, and that we shall all be with God at the feast of life, even those of us who've never been bridesmaids, even those who were not on the guest list of life, even you and even me, in the great big fat gospel wedding feast. So let's begin it now. Amen. <laughs>